Hide at the Rose's house. That's great. Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Welcome to the Awakening. And we are interested in getting to know you, especially if you're new. And uh, that's part of why do you come? I mean, you could watch online like a lot of people are. I know that you're away probably while you're watching online. But you come so you can see one another, right? And get to know one another. And uh, to be able to hear from God as well. But thanks for being a part of the Awakening family, and once a month, we seek to do this gathering, and we have this block party coming in July, and so save the date, July the 24th. Well, a week, two weeks ago today, I was uh, anxious to finish out the message, because I was heading to San Diego to hang out there for a day, and then go to Nashville with my wife and family to the Christian Missionary Alliance conference that uh, you guys have heard about. And uh, then we took off for a few days and uh, went up to Indiana, where I'm from, and hung out with family. And I just got back last night at 1.30 in the morning, and we were back up at 5 today. And you might think, well, is he going to have it together? Well, you'll have to decide that once it's done this morning. I don't know. No, I uh, have felt really good this morning. Because we're in a series in 1 John on light and life. And every week is so precious. It was great to hear from Oliver last week. Thanks, Oliver, for bringing God's word from shame to fame and the heart that he shared. Every week, critically important. And I'm mindful that this might be a critically important week for you in your life and what's going on. And whether you're here on site or you're watching online, I know people are in and out a lot this summer. In fact, it was interesting. Last Sunday, actually, I'll tell you exactly where I was at. I had just pulled up to my sister Joy's house, and uh, she watches every week because it's three hours' time difference in Indiana from her pool. And uh, I walk down to her pool from the outside, and I hear Joe Yarbrough and the singing team up here, you know, going after it. I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at. So, hi, Joy. It's good to have you watching online again today, that kind of thing. And many of you maybe that are on vacation, wherever you're at. And so, whether you're here or watching online, the Holy Spirit has something for you today to be encouraged about from this letter that John wrote 2,000 years ago to Christians of his day who were discouraged, who were being swept away in some dimensions uh, that were not healthy. Today, that same Holy Spirit that inspired him to write that letter is going to take us to some words in that letter to encourage us and inspire us today. And maybe you need some light in your life. Maybe you need a life that's new, different than maybe what you've been having in recent months. It's not me that stands before you. Wherever two or three are gathered, the word says, the Lord Jesus it is our midst through his Holy Spirit. And as been prayed and as been encouraged, we can hear from him and we can have our lives changed again today. You know, there's a lot of churches... Uh, that are struggling post-COVID about getting people to come back. In fact, I talked to several pastors this um, couple weeks ago when I was at the council, the conference in Nashville, and uh, some are struggling. Their congregations were dispersed, but they've not yet come back, maybe for some various reasons because of the concerns of COVID. But a lot of it, you just get out of the routine. And for a lot of people, they realize, you know, Sunday mornings to myself is not too bad. And so we have this moment for the Spirit to work in your life. And I'm glad that you've prioritized it. Two weeks ago, we got to the part of the letter where John's writing to these Christians. And he starts exhorting them pretty strongly about the last days. The last days. The last days are coming. The last days are here. And it talked about the Antichrist and that the Antichrist was going to, you know, cause problems in those last days. But we heard that the last days 
are days that we are in presently, all the way from when Christ died and ascended to heaven until he comes back again. The last days you are living in right now. If you were told today that you had three weeks to live, that would change your life, wouldn't it? The three weeks you had left. Because you're like, I'm in the last days. I'm in the last days. The disciples, the followers of Jesus in the first century, they had that sense of urgency that they were in the last days because Jesus is coming. And John said, be careful when Jesus is coming. There's also going to be this antichrist, this one who pushes back against Christ, who is against the things of Christ. And there was this sense of urgency to get the gospel out to all people. Some of them wanted to twiddle their thumbs and just sort of say, well, I appreciate us being in the last days and Jesus is coming back, I think I'll just sit back and relax and take it easy until he comes. But that was not the instruction that Jesus gave them. Jesus gave them an instruction to not be so caught up in trying to figure out when exactly he was to come back. It says in Acts 1-7, the last words before he's ascended to heaven, it is not for you to know the exact time or dates the Father is set by His own authority. These are the last days. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's where we landed two weeks ago. And then I had the beautiful opportunity to go with several other thousand people to a conference where there were people doing that very sentence right there. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You, you sort of the, the ripple effect. If you throw a rock into water, right, you get the ripple effect. There's this ripple effect that happened with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the disciples were the first to take the message. Yes, in Jerusalem's where it started, and, and then the next tier out was Judea, and then the next tier, Samaria, which was people that weren't really like them, and they sort of had some prejudice against. And then Jesus says, to the ends of the earth. In fact, uh, I made mention a couple weeks ago that I was going to have an opportunity to have lunch with a um, missionary that we sent out from a former church I was a part of. And that was a great lunch, and we just dived straight in. Her name's Petula Meyer. She's in Bosnia-Herzegovina. And I just wanted to know, what's God doing in Bosnia-Herzegovina? I've been there. We took one of those treks there before when I was at a prior church. And it was like, how do we help God? Do the ripple effect to the ends of the earth, to all people. In fact, I noticed on Facebook yesterday, she's back in Bosnia-Herzegovina yesterday. Knocking it down. Being obedient to this statement. So the whole last days things we're in, it needs to be urgent, but we shouldn't be twiddling our thumbs going, well, when's he going to come back? Is that a sign? What should I do? I think I'm just going to relax and wait it out. I'm saved. I think I'll just sort of sit back and, and not get too anxious about this world because it's all going to burn and there's going to be a new world anyway. That's what has happened a lot of times in evangelical circles where the followers of Jesus sort of went absent. They went underground. They became separatists. Oh, thanks, they're evil to the world. I'm just going to back. No, Jesus called us to engage the world, to not be so consumed about the times and the dates, but to be adamant that we're taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. But then something happened right after that. After he said this, he was taken up before them. He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently. I mean, you got to picture this, right? <laughs> the disciples, whoa, Jesus, risen from the dead, spent 40 days with them. All kinds of people had seen Jesus alive after he'd been crucified and, and thrown in a tomb. And they're in awe, and he's trying to teach them these things. And, and he's just right there teaching like I'm teaching with you. And he's probably teaching on a little bit of a, a hillside, you know, and, and they don't know what to expect. And Jesus exhorts them that the Holy Spirit's going to come and give them power. You're going to be my witnesses and the ripple effect to the world. And then he just lifts up before them. I can't do that today, guys. There's no wires coming to take me up, right? There were no wires taking them up. He ascended before them, and they were looking. 
up into the sky as he was going, when two men dressed in white, the angels, stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here gawking into the sky? I'll be. He's, he's, whoa. He's gone. He's, he's gone. Did you see that? Where'd he go? Is he coming back? Where'd he go? He just gave them instructions not to worry about the time, but to wait, be filled with the Spirit, and then get to business about taking the gospel to all people because all people need the light and the life that comes through him. Whoa. I would have paused there for a really long time. We probably would have ordered out In-N-Out Burger or something. I mean, it's just like we, we got we to gotta digest this one a little bit. And the angel said to them, this same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Wouldn't it be cool if that happened during our lifetime? I've always anticipated and thought that and had a sense of urgency of the last days I'm in. Maybe the Lord could come back. The imminent return of Jesus is a truth you need to hold on to, and it's inspirational for everyone here today. Except maybe if you're not so sure that you believe in Jesus. In fact, it could be, and maybe it's not you this morning, maybe it's one of your friends or a family member, this very idea of what these angels said is ludicrous to people. Jesus, the guy that's in the Bible that you talk about, he died, he was crucified. Yeah, some people thought he rose. You think you're going to see him again? John's writing. End of the first century. He writes to us today, 21st century. Yes, you will see him. You will see him not in a ghostly fashion or in some sense of fond remembrance. You will see the personhood of Jesus Christ come in all of his glory. 1 John 2.28 Sort of where we left off out of this letter last week. John says, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So the question today is, how you doing on that? Are you continuing in him? Are you going to be someone who is confident and unashamed at his coming? Or are you going to be, oh, not now. We need to clean up a few things. Oh, not now. I need to get off my bed and get about doing what you said we were supposed to do when we were filled with the Spirit. We are to be, as believers today, as children of God, if you're a Christ follower, confident and unashamed in this life. Confident and unashamed, and can I say this, bold about what you believe with other people. This world, as we would all recognize, is a mess. But you know what? It's been in a mess since Jesus Christ ascended into the heavens. In fact, it was a mess when he came. And they thought he was going to clean up all the mess. But he came the first time to clean up the mess in our hearts because there's no way to have a perfect world unless there are individuals who have the perfection of Christ. And Jesus Christ came the first time to change hearts. He's coming a second time to clean up the world. And when he comes, we should be confident, unashamed at his coming. And we need to let people know that they're going to see Jesus. And if they die before Jesus comes back, then they will see him on the other side of this life because there is a life to come. And so 
John's pinning. He's writing this. He's telling them, hey, you know, we're in the last days. There's an Antichrist coming. But man, the Lord Jesus, he's coming back. I saw him. I saw him lift up. And we had In-N-Out Burger, and we talked about it, and we've been working ever since. And he's coming back again. He never lost that. He's in his 90s when he writes this, and he had a passion still about Jesus Christ returning. I was in college, and I remember a professor, my environment man class, he says, all right, all of you in here, and I, maybe it's because of environment man class, I don't know. He says, I want you to write down when you think Jesus is coming back. And that time I said, I think he's coming back within 10 years. There's some people that he's not coming back my lifetime. It, you, know, it was, you know, it was sort of a vote. I have to ask myself today, okay, oh, as a college kid, I thought he was coming back within 10 years. That's what I put down. Do I still believe he's coming back within 10 years? I turned 60. Thank you for all of your birthday wishes, by the way, last week. I'm alive. I'm okay. 60. Do I believe he's going to come back before I'm 70, if God blesses me? Or am I sort of lazy, nonchalant? And it's not just about doing the work of the kingdom, taking it to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's about having a passion to know Jesus and to be with him. And to be a part of that anticipation. Or have I been fanned to sleep? And so, one of my straightforward questions to you as a believer today, if you're a follower of Jesus, is how hot is your anticipation for Jesus Christ's return? And could it be, could it be that not having that spirit of anticipation, excitement, and personableness be part of the reason that you are so blindsided with what's happening in your life today and so discouraged by some of the things that maybe aren't going your way. Because you become myopic and you're not seeing the bigger picture. John's pretty excited about this. He's, you know, dear children is this word again. We're going to talk about that. He said it in verse 29 then, if you know that he is righteous... You know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. He's encouraging them to stay upright, be righteous. What is righteousness? Righteousness is behaving as God would behave. We are called to this life of righteousness and anticipation of him and working for him and to have a big picture. You know, a couple, three weeks ago when I was thinking about going on vacation, we started to make some change and some plans, right? I knew I was going to be gone from the house for a couple weeks, right? Well, if you know that you're going to be gone from this life and with the Lord someday, He's coming back again, you think maybe you might reorder some of your schedule today and your plans, what you're getting consumed with and all hot and passionate about, and some of those things are led of God and be hot and passionate about them, whether it's raising your kids or succeeding in your business or being a faithful steward of the gifts that God's given you, be at it. But... Is your schedule and your worries aligned rightly to the Lord Jesus coming back? Those New Testament followers, they had that front and center on their radar, and he's encouraging them not to lose that. And you need to continue in seeking his righteousness if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it moves here from chapter 2 then to chapter 3, and it's unfortunate. Do you know that the chapters and the verses uh, were put in later, and they really never change those things, even when they have some other times of versions and translations of the Bible. They always seem to keep the chapters and, trans and, the chapters and verses uh, you know, the same. Well, it's unfortunate that there's a chapter break here because it's a continuation of the thought that goes straight on into chapter 3, verse 1. And in chapter 3, verse 1, he sort of does a little bit of a parenthetical that's tying in everything before and going on to what we'll be talking about some in the weeks ahead. But this um, parenthetical, a little excursion, cul-de-sac kind of experience, there's three beautiful verses, and two, in particular two beautiful verses that I want to encourage you to really um, dial into here in this whole thought train that, that I'm trying to uh, have us unpack. 1 John 3 Verse 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 
This whole idea that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the scriptures teach, and John's adamant in his letter writing, that you are a child of God. Because we've heard it so much, sometimes we become a little bit dulled to the idea. Oh yeah, I'm a child of God. But it says right here, see what great love. That term, great love, is, it actually means in the original language, what country is this from? Who does this? You see, a lot of times, I remember working a lot of times with uh, people that are getting married, we talk about what love is, right? You know, love of feeling, love of commitment, you know. You get into all that kind of discussion, but in the, somewhere in the love of a human level, we love someone because of something. Or we love them if they'll do something. There's a little bit of contingency with our love. It's hard to get to the love period. Jesus doesn't love us because of anything that's really good in us, ultimately. Jesus doesn't love us if we do these things. In fact, Jesus loves us in spite of a bunch of stuff. How great is that love? Sit back, take a look at that, John says. Let's think about this. How great, what country is that kind of love that the God who created mankind and mankind had the will to follow him and then chose not and we've all sinned, right? I don't think anybody here will say they score a perfect 100 today in all of life since you were born. We sin, we fall, we mess up. There's a lot of uglies. Even in my own life this week, God touched on some things and said, this is ugly, Carrie. It's sin. I said, you're right. But he chooses to love us. How great is that love? So John's exhorting them, get back and think. Think about before you were saved, if you're a believer this morning. Think about the life you lived, where your mindset was, some of the selfishness, some of the direction you were. God, in spite of all that, loved you so much. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He loved you so much because he's of another world, not just another country. And that God loved you so much that he reached down and he forgave you. He adopted you. He chose you as one of his very own in his family. Family. It's good to get back and see my family. There's something about being around family. Family that loves you and cares for you. You're able to be yourself a little bit more, right? You're able to relax. You're able to get sincere words of encouragement and have, you know, just good time of fellowship. When I go back, my siblings that are around and able to do it, we just go out and eat each night, sort of. We can until it gets too expensive. And there's like, we need to take a break. But it's like, we just want to stay in touch because that's my family. None of you know my extended family, really, in this room. A few of you have met maybe a few of them. But you know my immediate family, my wife and my kids. But you don't know my family. And, and God has picked you to be a part of his family. And so he's saying, be encouraged by this. That is what we are. And so as we anticipate in these last days, his second coming to see him. We need to acknowledge the richness of being a part of his family, of being a child. And if you're not a child of God, there's opportunity for you here today to choose to become a follower of God and become a part of his family. See, God, God is the father of all creation. But he is not the father of all people. God is not your father until you choose to become a son or daughter of his. He's provided the way for that to happen. There's nothing you have to do, per se, but to just embrace him and repent from indifference and run towards him to say, I want to be a child of yours and follow you. But you are not automatically a child of God. You know, that term sort of thrown around sometimes. Oh, a child of God, well, a child of God, you know, everybody smile, be nice with one another. We're pretty happy here on earth, right? If there is a God, we're just all part of his big family. No, you're not. You're not a part of God's family unless he's adopted you and you've come into that family. 
He's the father of all creation, but he's not the father of all people until you cross that line. And John's writing to these people to get them to stroke up in the flame. Remember how incredible that love is. And you're a part of that family. And then he says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Do you get frustrated with some people that maybe don't get you? That don't understand how you're wired and your direction and what you have passion for or not? The whole spiritual thing? Well, it's okay in one sense that they're not a part of family. You wouldn't know some of the things in my extended family, stuff we laugh at, stuff we like to do, because you're not part of the family. And so John's saying, you know, it's just reasonable to expect in, in the highways and the byways of your life that the world does not know us because it doesn't know him, the one who sent it and is coming back. You know, it's said that... Um, our country is in a trajectory of more and more people being a part of the nons. The nons meaning, or the nuns, the, the none of the above. I, I just don't identify with any faith. I'm just there. Maybe they're not antagonistic, but no faith. And so we have an increasing culture that is uh, less and less Christian, that's for sure, but more and more secular and more and more diverse. And all of you in this room here today have some sense of God, otherwise you probably wouldn't be here, at least you're seeking God. But a growing, almost majority of people would say, I don't know about that. And so if you're to be excited about it, you're going to run into some opposition or people that do not get it. Or do not get you. And it's interesting because what happens in our culture is we try almost shrink away. We become shyer, uh, more shy about our faith because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to be asked a question maybe we can't answer. And so Satan's working behind the scenes just to to water everything down and make it mush, if you will, even in Christian circles many a times. But we need to reposition the truth that we know Jesus, we're part of his family, the child, that he's coming again, and we want them to be a part of the family too. But the moment you try to go after that, sometimes you'll get some hard knock kind of uh, responses. There's some people that would think that you're a little bit, well, I guess everybody can believe what you believe, right? But you think Jesus is coming back? You think you're going to see Jesus? And some of the skeptics are pretty harsh and they're growing. Some of you um, may recall that uh, the church in the first century, second century up to the third actually, was really persecuted. And one of the ideas that they were persecuted for was this idea that you're going to be raised from the dead someday. In fact, the Romans, they so scoffed at it that uh, the people they killed because of their faith, sometimes they just let their bodies rot out in the open sun for six days. And then they would burn them. And then they would sweep their ashes into the river. They'd sweep their ashes into the river. And as, as one person would said back during that time, one... Um, Roman person says, now let's see if they rise again and if their God can help them. Karl Marx, are you familiar with him? Communism famously said that religion is the opiate for the masses. According to Marx, rulers used the promise of a happy future and eternity to oppress the masses from rising in a revolt. Any of you know who Stephen Hawking is or was? Stephen Hawking was a Brilliant mind, a physicist, applied mathematics, taught at Cambridge. He had Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, so he was confined in his later years to a wheelchair, and the only way he could speak was through an, an automated uh, computer system from his chair. But people would flock to hear Stephen Hawking speak. And as intelligent as he was, Stephen Hawking, who died three years ago, he would scoff at this whole idea of an afterlife. 
In fact, he said this one time, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. Now that kind of accusation is some hard stuff. How are you going to respond to that? Are you living a fairy tale? Are you afraid of the dark? You think there's an afterlife? You think you're even going to see Jesus? <laughs> Your children right now, they're being encouraged spiritually, whether in the littles, elementary, or students out in the back lot. You know what they're facing one day when they step across that college line or the workplace? <laughs> you believe that? I'm glad you went to church when you were younger. I didn't really, but that's just nuts. Oh. Are we preparing our children and our students and our young adults to be able to defend the authority of Scripture and the reliability of the truth that does exist, even outside of Scripture, that points to God? Or do we just stay in our little place and not cause waves? John was adamant. He was adamant on this thing of believing in Jesus. Believing that he would return. What about you? I think that uh, I've had seasons where I've been more bold sometimes than other times. There's been seasons where I've really investigated truth and done apologetics and the claims for truth. But as you get older... Sometimes it's easy to back away from that. And so you may not be in the children's ministry or the student ministry this morning. Maybe you're in the senior citizens ministry. I don't know. We don't really have one of those yet, right? Jesus wants you to be as bold as the Apostle John was in his 90s concerning the return of Jesus Christ and the work of the ministry. You are not finished taking the gospel of the kingdom to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth until you cross from this life to the next and you do see him face to face. We all need to be adamant, not ugly, adamant about what we believe. And if you're skittish on it, then research. Get with some others. Pray with some others. Interact. Get in a life group. Learn and grow. Let the Holy Spirit empower you to be bold in your faith. It's needed in our desperately difficult, divided world today. 1 John 3, 2. He goes on then and says this, Dear friends, now we are the children of God. Woo! He's reminding them. And then he says this, And what we will be has not yet been made known. Do you know what heaven's like? Do you know what the new heaven and the new earth will be like? Oh, we have little glimpses here and there, but John's just being adamant. He was with Jesus. You would think he would have had time to say, hey, can we unpack this thing while we're going on this little journey? Exactly what's on the other side? He wasn't even fully aware, and he was in the presence of Jesus. The Apostle Paul says that, that there was a man, we believe it was himself in 2 Corinthians 12, who was taken into the heavenlies, but it's unlawful to even describe what it is. And why is that? Because it's hard to describe what's there. But John's saying, we, we will not quite know what things are. But in this life, there is some sensation, there's some way of knowing and feeling what it might be like. In that dimension. I love this analogy I came across this week. A number of years ago, there was a Senate chaplain by the name of Peter Marshall. Some of you may have heard of him. He gives an illustration concerning this whole ignorance of us that we, um, you know, we just don't know on the other side of things. He says this, Before a baby is born, it can recognize its mother's voice. If you shine a light into the womb, the baby will react to it. If you push the baby, it will kick your hand away. How much does that unborn baby, that child, understand of life outside the womb? Not much. Just the sound of one or two voices and the sensation of movement. 
inside the womb, the baby feels safe and secure. If you could somehow converse with the child, it would feel very confident and discussing, uh, discoursing on what life will be like once it is born. The child swims, moves, tosses, and turns, quiets to the sound of its mother's voice, reacts to her emotions and to the sudden movements. What a shock awaits the child. When suddenly it slides through the birth canal, a harrowing, terrifying experience in itself, right? Only to find itself, and it was probably more back in that day than probably what they do today. I'm not sure. I've not been there. Find itself being held upside down in the glare of bright lights with loud voices. Who are these people? Why are they wearing masks? Isn't COVID over? No. Why are they wearing masks? Why am I so cold? And why is this person slapping my bottom? I didn't do anything wrong. Where's my mother? For a few seconds, the baby feels totally abandoned. Then he hears a voice, a tender, melodious voice that he has come to know, clearer now than he's ever heard it before. Come here, sweetheart. Someone takes him toward the voice, and he settles in, listening to it, one voice he knows, resting above her heart. He has no idea where he is or what has happened. He does not know what will happen next. But when the baby hears his mother's voice, he knows that all will be well. And then he goes on and says this, In this life we are like that unborn child. We know as much of life after death as the unborn child knows of life after birth. We hear the sound of laughter coming from the other side in the stories of a great city unlike any city we've ever known. It seems so fantastic to be almost a fairy tale. Isn't that interesting? He uses that same word that Hawking made. Like that unborn child, we comfort ourselves that we know so much about heaven, but in reality, we know so little that we hardly know anything at all. We really only know one thing for certain, that when we die, we will be with Jesus forever. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Just three quick things here. What do we know? One, when Christ appears, he is coming back. And not in your lifetime, then when you pass from this life to the next, you will see Jesus Christ. We shall see him as he is. Not as the babe in the manger. Not as um, the man who was calling people to come follow him from fishing boats. and Not even the miracle worker. Not the one who was crucified on a cross and rejected by people. You will see him as he is in all of his glory now. You, you, you. I could call your names this morning. You will see Jesus. Even if you're not a believer in God and a follower of Jesus this morning, you will see Jesus. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, it says in Philippians. You will see Jesus. And you will see him as he is. And then the third thing is, if you're a child of God, you shall be like him. Now, we could unpack that a lot today. don't have time for it, but you will be like him. The struggles that we have on this earth and, and seeking to walk in righteousness, there will be a transforming power that happens. And you will have a resurrected Bobby, one that will live forever. You shall be like him. And Paul's writing him and says, remember, you children of God, how great it is love. This is your destiny. This is what it's going. And it's not a fairy tale. We know in part, we see in part, dimly as in a mirror, Scripture says, it's like being a baby on the inside of a womb. We don't know what's on the other side. But you will cross from this life to the next. And some of you know somebody who's recently done that in their life, maybe even just the last few months, who passed from this life to the next. We're in a womb. Isn't that an incredible analogy to think about that? Because there's certain things I recognize, voices, things I understand about God. And, and I, can, I can maybe see light, and if it pokes in the womb, I can push back. And, but I don't have any idea what full afterlife beholds. But one thing is true, and this is my point today. Heaven is not about going to a place. It's about going to a person. I may not know an awful lot, but I know that. 
I'm going to see him as he is. And I will be like him. And that's going to change the rest of my schedule for the summer. And the rest of the years I have. Because that's my destiny vacation. Forever. Eternity. Heaven is where Jesus is. And where Christ's followers are going. Heaven is a real place. But it's called paradise because the presence of the Son of God is there. That's why Jesus, when he was dying on the cross and one of the thieves, you remember the one of the thieves cried out, said, I believe in you. I want to be a child of yours. Jesus simply said today, you will be with me in paradise. Period. He didn't say, today, when you die, you're going to have a credible house and some other kinds of things. And He could have went into all that. No. You're going to be with me. John 14, one through a few thereafter. Maybe you know this passage. Jesus speaking to his disciples, of which John was seated right there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. You trust in God, right? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place. Yes, it is a place, but it's not predominantly about the place. Preparing a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Heaven is not so much about a place, but about the person. And then he says, you know the play, way to the place where I'm going. I love Thomas. I'm doubting Thomas. Hey, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Heck, man, how do we know the way? Come on, be real. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through You will see him, whether you're a believer or not. If you're not a believer, then why would you want to stay there? It's all about him. Jesus does not send people to hell. People make a choice not to live in the presence of God. And that choice to not live in the presence of Christ eternally is made in this life while we're in the womb. Because he doesn't want people in his heaven that are forced to be there. Do you like to be in a place that you're forced to be? He came the first time to change hearts and lives. People from all the world. That's why John in the early part of his gospel said this, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or the husband's will, but born of God. And so the question is, have you become a child of God? Have you received? Have you believed? You know, Pastor Zach mentioned about a prayer area, and I'm just going to leave it at that today. If you want to be a child of God, there's some people that love to pray with you. Or you come find me out, I'll pray with you. Or pray with a friend that you came with today. You have the opportunity here in the womb to choose to be a follower of God. And that stands before you. It's an incredible thing to be adopted into his family. That verse, 1 John 3, 2, is a good one for you to memorize if you're a believer. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And the very next verse, and we'll pick up on it next week, says this. All who have this hope, if you have this hope as a believer today, need to purify themselves just as he is pure. What does that mean? That now that we're a child of God, anticipating his return, that we move forward in this life. As I mentioned, we had this beautiful opportunity a couple weeks ago. There's some in the room who are actually there as well. The founder of our movement, the Alliance, he was passionate about getting the gospel to all people. And this gospel, the kingdom, will be preached in the whole world, Jesus said, as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We do not know when. We are in the last days. We're not to twiddle our thumbs and just wait around passively. We are to be about fulfilling the Great Commission, being filled with the Spirit to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And when it's taken to the ends of the earth, and we not know when that fully happens, 
then the final day will come and God sends Jesus back in all of his glory. I'm a part of a family, the Bowman family. You are a part of families. If you're a part of this church, or even if you're just checking it out today, I want you to know that you're a part of a much bigger family called the Alliance. And that's where we were at a couple weeks ago. The Christian Missionary Alliance, or called the Alliance, the CMA. It's not Country Music Association, even though it was in Nashville. <laughs> and I got myself an Opryland shirt. They're adamant about fulfilling that Acts 1-8. Simply put, the mission is all of Jesus for all the world. Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, and our coming King. And so what I've chosen to do to finish out is to give you a recap of something that was really encouraging to me. The year of COVID has wore us out. And you get discouraged. You've been isolated. But you get back together with others that are passionate about what we talked about today. It fills your heart with not only hope, it fills your heart with a fresh zeal and passion to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as a part of this family, the Awakening Church, you're part of a larger family. I couldn't put us all on a plane to take us to Nashville. But I can bring back this video um, summary that comes from the President of Alliance, John Stumbo. I was going to edit it down, so it was a nice little, you know, four or five minute thing. I got back at 1.30 a.m. You're going to watch the whole 10, 11 minutes. <laughs> and then we'll be done. But this is where we were a couple weeks ago. And it fills my heart with joy to know that I'm a part of a broader family that's knocking it down for the Lord Jesus Christ, all of Jesus that he's Savior, the Sanctifier, the Healer, and the Coming King for all the world, including you here this morning, if you want to come to know him as your child. So watch this. Be encouraged by it. Some different elements to the whole week. But may we know that we may not know a lot about the other side outside the womb, but we know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Alliance family, Council 2021 is now complete and I have the pleasure of bringing you a report about that today. He didn't come only to die, but to show us how to live. So now here we are, many years since that day, our Messiah still working, our call, Still the same. He invites us to join him. He beckons us close. He supplies all we need and sends us to go. With his power and anointing, by the Spirit of the Lord, we go to bind up the broken and bring good news to the poor. We heal the wounded and release the captive. We comfort the mourners and help make beauty from ashes. We build up ancient ruins and repair devastations. We raise up generations to bless all peoples, all nations. And we wait for His coming. We long for His light. We hope in His kingdom when all wrongs are made right. This has been a powerful and significant week God has met us, and you have engaged so well, Alliance family. Whether that has been the 800-plus online delegates, thank you for your participation. The thousands who participated watching the services online, and the thousands that were here in person. This has been a sweet and rich time, and I loved watching the Alliance family engage with the Lord in powerful worship times, filling the room with joyful praise. We're so happy to be back in corporate worship together, engaging with each other in meaningful prayer, deepening relationships, or building new friendships. The engagement of financially, I believe that the results will be 
the information is still coming in, but probably a million dollar plus Great Commission Day offering, engagement of the Alliance family, the engagement of prayers as we are commissioning 50 new international workers to go out this year to take the word of God to the least reached places of the world. Engagement abounded. And it felt like this was a moment of breakthrough that many of us came in after this last crazy season of ministry in a unique spot of having criticism or being under a cloud. And so many pastors have expressed discouragement or weariness at this moment in time. And for many, it felt like uh, uh, there was a break in the cloud and a, not just a single ray, but powerful rays of hope breaking through into people's lives, giving a new sense of God is with me. God is within me and God is working through me and he's not done with the ministry that he's called me to. So I believe that many are going forward from this place with new encouragement, new hope, and for some with new health. We had specific, beautiful, memorable divine healings that took place here a cane that was no longer needed, a wheelchair that was no longer needed, a woman who has not been able to eat a meal for four years, ate three meals yesterday. <laughs> As she experienced the touch of God upon her body, multiple stories, an 11-year-old boy who walked into this place not knowing that he had a relationship with Jesus Christ was impacted by her opening service and asked his mom if she would pray with them and together with one of our leaders. He joyfully and knowing with full knowledge of what he was doing entered into a relationship with Christ. So the stories are rich, they're abundant, there are too many to be told. Did we get everything done we came to do? No, not in the business sense because of all the statement of faith that was proposed. Only six of the points were passed and they will be brought uh, to Council 2023. For the other five, we have more work to do. And I have come to learn in recent months that God works through closed doors just like he works through open ones. So the door was open for six, closed to five at this moment for us to step back and prayerfully consider, okay, Lord, we've got more time. What do you have for us as we go forward? You elected a new board of directors that has now met for just this very opening two-hour meeting and with great anticipation of what God is going to do among this new community of people. And so, no, we didn't get done everything that we wanted to do. We got done some things we needed to do. One of them was another election. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity to serve you for four more years as your president. I will do so in this final term with the great joy and the ongoing burden that God has laid on my heart for this family. But in some ways, more was accomplished than we ever anticipated. There was more breakthrough, more healing, more joy, more powerful worship, and the anointing on the preaching, and and the expressions of the body of Christ on multiple levels was just simply powerful, rich. And so, Alliance family, we are on mission together, taking all of Jesus to all the world. All of Jesus for all the world is going to take all of us and each of us. But as we continue to engage, the, the evidence is clear that God's at work among us. And even when it's not clear, even when I can't see his work, he is at work in his church. He is at work through us. Keep lifting your shield of faith. And may these next few minutes of the video recap of our council sessions bring you even more reason and courage to lift up those shields. Enjoy this. Sacred. Sacred. When the Almighty interacts with us. For I am with thee. When the divine encounters the human and the human encounter the divine, what do you call that? It's be not dismayed. It's sacred. It's 
more than a theme, it's a prayer, it's a passion, it's a cry. For I am Lord, I invite you to join in raising a hallelujah to the Lord. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Christ didn't call us first to accomplish. He calls us to abide. The open invitation of Jesus to every single one of us is come be with me so you can become like me. If you did come into this week tired, and you're feeling that deep weariness. Who may be feeling like I am unseen. I am unwanted. Will you just come to me? And I will Jesus is saying, I am not only able, but I am willing. We are his, and whatever is his is holy. Whether your soul is tired and the call is but a faint echo, or your heart is on fire and the call is as loud as it was from day one, God sees you. He continues to call you today. How is it that you, you need to use this time to re-encounter the King? What do you want Jesus to do for you tonight? Together, we're the church, the dwelling place of God. And in case you are missing how amazing this is, Paul says it plainly, this is sacred. God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. The sacred is in fact the intersection of the cosmic with the earthly, the transcendent with the temporal, the extraordinary with the ordinary. It is what we yearn for as we follow Jesus in this world. God who authors our stories and inspires our missions is the one who's writing all the scripts. And it's up to us at that point, whether the change is fast or slow, just to keep saying yes. The fruit of the Spirit is how we become the incarnated people of God in our neighborhoods because it's the love of Jesus that transforms us, strengthens us, sustains us, fills us with all the fullness of God and orients us towards others and compels us to give ourselves away no matter what the cost. This is a good song for us to pray over the movement that we find ourselves in, over our communities, over our churches, over our hearts. You plant, you water, take heart, take heart. The master knows the reward is on the way. In December, we had the single largest giving day to Alliance Missions in Alliance history in the middle of COVID. December then turned out to be the largest giving month in our 130 year history. So enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? Because the Lord is good and his truth endures to all generations. She was screaming and screaming and she said the pain is gone. The pain is gone. God began to lay on my heart the idea of starting a new house church. There was 18 of us from nine different countries and 10 different languages spoken among us. This is an unreached people group reaching another unreached people group. There were dozens and dozens of conversions in a series of villages and all of it took place in a short week. What Satan intended as a kill shot for the progress of the gospel has turned out for the glory of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If all I have is what I find in here, I'm in trouble. And I want to announce to America, yes, officially you are in trouble. If all you have is what you find in yourself. But those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ have a completely different message. places that are the next people that need to hear. I want to say thanks for being a part of the Alliance family. 
You want to go to council in two years? It's in Spokane, Washington. But more importantly, bless you for being a part of God's family. And as you leave, I want to pray a blessing over you as you continue on in that mission. Will you place your palms up? Lord Jesus Christ, you who are present through your spirit, may your spirit descend upon each and every person here today. And as followers of the Lord, may you empower them with your spirit to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Lord, may they be filled with the acknowledgement, the understanding, that when we see you, we will be like you, for we will see you as you are. And may they go forward not under any inhibition, but under the fullness of confidence in who they are as a child of you. May they go forward to preach your gospel to the ends of the earth, for we know when that happens, then the end will come. God bless. Receive his might. Go in his name.